This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 436, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Your voice is just too soothing. Thank you. Communication, it's the hardest thing for me to do, and it's said it's the most important part that relationships will go through. And I gave it all away, just so I could say that to what I know, I know, I know, I know, that you're gonna be okay anyway. You know there's no rest. Hey everybody, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 436. My name is Paul Montgomery, joining me as always, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And because we hit a milestone, we hit a thousand iTunes ratings, we've got a new replacement for Josh because he's in retirement now. Um, he's gone. We're not allowed to disclose where he's moved to, but he has, he basically quit everything. Uh, he <laughs> left his family, um, left his job, and Wyoming. Um, sitting in for Josh Flanagan for good now, or maybe just this week, Jeff Kanata. Oh, man, I would love it to be for good. But <laughs> I, I've been trying to be like Josh, which I guess means that I have to be prejudiced about a lot of things. <laughs> well, what are your that... thoughts on fat people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard. It's hard for me to get in that headspace, the Josh headspace. But I'll do my best this week. God, I'll I'm going to email about this. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we, we are the brand new iFanboy. And we like <laughs> comics. And every week we read a bunch of comics. And one of us picks the best book that they read. That's either me or Connor or Jeff now. And we call that the pick of the week. And we talk about it on this year podcast with Jeff, along with other books of the week and various other topics of interest and other goofy nonsense uh, while Josh is off whittling somewhere. Um, before we get to the show, a quick reminder slash warning. This is, of course, a review show, and we will be talking about the things that happened in this week's books, all the people that died, all the people that got blown up or eviscerated. And we're going to say who they are and what their social security numbers are. So if you're worried about any spoilers like that, pause the show and come back whenever the coast is clear. Uh, this week, Connor had the pick. I'm really glad that two of you guys are, not just because we're all, I think we're all happy Josh is gone, but <laughs> I'm really glad it's the two of you because the pick this week was Action Comics 31. And I know the three of us all love Superman. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, Jeff, have you been reading Action Comics? Well, I've been reading all the, yeah, I mean, you can't just read Action Comics. You got to oh, read you can. the entire the entire <laughs> arc of all the all the books that Daisy chain into each other. Watch right, me. This uh, this was the first part of Superman Doomed Infected. I guess was there a Superman Doomed story? I think there was. I guess mm -hmm. uh, this so this is the aftermath of that. But this was uh, totally readable on its own. I didn't read the Doomed storyline. Yeah, just, it's I, Superman I, Doomed by uh, Lobdell and uh, Charles Soule, Greg Pak, right. Ken Lashley on art. I guess. So Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter and Rafa Sandoval are the creative team on this, and Greg Pak just gets it. He really just gets what makes Superman Superman. And even – and we talked about this last week about the promise of the New 52, and we thought that the, the, the Batman-Superman book with the Atom really felt like a new version of that character. This feels like young Superman, where he doesn't feel like young Superman in the other books so much. But Pak really gets that voice of a guy who – He's not a rookie, but he's still relatively new, and he's 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 not as confident as as the old Superman was. And but it's not overbearing. He really just gets that inner voice, and it feels like a young voice. It feels like a younger guy talking. And Cooter's art is wonderful, and this just felt like an old school crossover. I know people hate crossovers, and I I can get sick of them too. But I like this kind of story that you know runs through the, all all the superman books and features all the characters this one features all the justice league characters batman mm -hmm. and wonder woman have big parts in it 
And I just I just love the old school feel of this of this issue. And also we'll talk about it in a minute the second part, which also came out this week in Superman Wonder Woman. But before we get to that, this one also, Paul, I thought of you because it featured a crypto who looked like a dog and not a monster. Well, <laughs> he's he's still I guess he's like a husky or a malamute or something, which I I'm fine with. But you know, coming back and bringing the the leg of the, the deer or whatever, um, I'm not entire. I'm, I'm not. I haven't he needed entirely. Food, Paul. He needed I understand, but he's it's hunting. Like, he should bring back a tennis ball. That's what crypto does. <laughs> Brings back a tennis ball. None um, of those deers had a tennis ball. I it's uh, here's here's what I think about this. I was I was not looking forward to a crossover as as you mentioned um because I I liked what Pack and and Cooter had been doing up to this point and I was like, "Oh no, they're going to, you know, come in and and force this continuity on him." And do a doomsday story. I'm not, and I'm not a big doomsday fan, so I, I wasn't entirely looking forward to this. That said, I think Pac takes on what he's given here and does some really valiant stuff with it. Like he doesn't portray Crypto as a saber toothed tiger like some New Fifty Two writers do. Um, he brings in this idea of a where doomsday. And it's not nearly as obnoxious as it could be. Um, he, I actually he, really like the doomsday element of it. He, I don't. He brings in the internal conflict in a way that I feel like other writers, like maybe Lobdell, um, I would not have enjoyed nearly as much. So while I'm not in love with this particular storyline, um, I think he holds his own really well. And um, it it still feels like what they'd been doing previously, and that's so, all I could really hope for. Jeff, you read the last bit, so he fought Doomsday in the last in in Doomed, I guess. Is that what? It yep, is? he smacked him around a whole bunch. They smacked each other around, um, and uh, you know defeated Doomsday. But I, but that was all. It, it kind of felt really rushed that whole thing. But it, mm-hmm. it clearly was just a setup for this. That was it, that was the prelude. It wasn't really the the main course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I agree with you guys. The art in this book is fantastic. I particularly love, there's several panels I want to point out. I particularly love the first person section where we see basically from, uh, Superman's perspective, kicking mm-hmm. the crap out of, um, Lex Luthor. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a fantastic sequence. It turns out to just be a, you know, his little. That's actually really a really unusual mind. point of view in, in comics for the most part. Yeah, but just spectacularly well realized, and mm-hmm. it just you see him twisting his arms off, and it, it's just awesome. Uh, I also loved how we start the book with Superman, sort of you know, in the aftermath of the fight, and I love the shattered S on his chest, which is only in these few panels. Like they, it, it doesn't stay. It, it it wasn't there wasn't a big deal made at the end of the fight previously of him shattering the S, and in the next few panels he has it back. But I loved that idea. I wanted it to be more of a thing that his the S on his chest was actually broken. It looks like at one point when he's flying with Wonder Woman that he's holding the S on. Yeah. But uh, just so let's back up and tell people the story in case they're not reading it. So basically, and from from my reading of it, Jeff, you can correct me if I'm wrong because I didn't read the Doomsday part. Is that in the aftermath of the fight, Doomsday was obliterated? Yeah. Into dust, and right. Superman inhaled that dust. And the thing is, to save everybody, I don't like. Doomsday is a character. I think he served his purpose in 1995 or 93. I'm sorry, and he, you know, he he was he was designed to kill Superman, and that was it's all a he catalyst. Did. And yeah. they keep bringing him back because you're supposed to be like, oh shit, Doomsday, but he doesn't. You know, he already did his thing. He's never he's, he's never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. So I don't like when they bring him back. But this is actually an interesting way to use him, right? 
as more of an infectious disease. Because well, he was even a doomsdayzy or a doomsday this time. They yeah. they kept making a big deal in the last arc about how he's evolved and he's even doomier. He's right. he's <laughs> bigger and more doomy, and he's got more of the rock stuff on his face. Um, so so much more doom. But yeah, I, I like the idea that he wasn't even really. He's a he's he's not just a this physical threat. He's he's more than that. He he if he gets in your lungs, he doomsdayifies you. You know, I think that's kind of cool. I liked the the conflict within Superman in that. Now, so now he's been infected with Doomsday, and he is now fighting that urge. It felt very Superman three esque. You know, the uh, yeah. Superman fights himself in the mm-hmm. junkyard, which I still love because I was ten whenever that, when that movie came out or whatever I was. Um, I like that. I mean, if you're going to use Doomsday, find a new way to use him, and this is a different way to use him as more of an internal threat than an external threat. And I like Superman having to literally, <laughs> right? And I like him having to deal with himself, his own urges, and who he is, and the danger of that. Uh, you know, Superman with a lot of anger is a problem, and we see that a little bit here, where he finds a bunch of poachers in a helicopter, and and but he stops them by destroying their helicopter while they're yeah. in mid-flight. And I, I like that. You know, Superman is scary. It's always good to examine that he. What makes him so good is that he doesn't go over the edge. Zack Snyder, so uh, I love that bit. I really did. I really did like this quite a lot. And these guys will will, t- will confirm that this was a tough week for me to make the pick because I had a another so many book. Books, man. There's a lot of great books. I had another book I really thought was the pick, and I had actually initially chosen. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened a bunch. I remember last. That year was the first for me. I, I had an experience that where I get the I email, said, and then and then as soon as you I read it, there was another email saying, "Oh no, it's this one." Well, last year. I started writing a review. I got about three paragraphs in, and I went, "No, it's actually not this one." Oh and wow! I changed to a different book, but it hasn't happened very many times over the years. But the second this wouldn't have been my pick. It wouldn't have been my. Pick. It's an excellent book, but I didn't. I didn't think it was the. I agree with that. Pick of the week, but go ahead. But I, I love. I really do love the Aaron Cooter art. I hope he he yeah. draws this book forever. But I do love just the feeling of, oh, this is real. Oh, here's Superman. This is this is the guy. Like, and also here's an interesting way to deal with his villain, and also. Uh, here's an interesting conflict for the character. And since I love Superman so much, I've, I loved all those things, including part two, which came out this week also, which was in Superman Wonder Woman. And the number lose me because Eight, I, I think just closed it. But uh, Eight, yeah. any opportunity to talk more about how dumb Clark Catopolis is dot com. <laughs> they're going to burn through their money. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we visit their office. They've got a whole staff. There's a giant conference room. And I thought, this is a blog, right? <laughs> so their burn rate's going to be pretty high. Um, hilarious. It's just an. This is really, it should be like a no pants operation. And they're treating it like <laughs> something much bigger than it is. DC doesn't know how to deal with the new media world. And the, the new media world is not to deal with the new media world. But they should just pretend like it doesn't exist because it doesn't work. You know, there was another issue this week. I don't even remember which one it was, but it was uh, Lois Lane had a blog that was the most popular blog. It might have been the Future's End book, but just kind of like don't don't just don't deal with blogs. Just have them be newspaper reporters, right? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but it's okay to have a little anachronism in yeah. in these worlds. You know, they're characters that were written in you know in the forties and fifties. It's fine. You know, right? Exactly. So in part two, I just opened the wrong issue up uh, of Superman Wonder Woman. I thought I'm I'm actually. Enjoying this story so much, I might continue on into other books I don't normally read because I do like the dynamic of it. Yeah. Um, Paul, did you read this issue? Yeah, I just, I, I, it's a simple thing, and we talk about it um, 
every once in a while, but I love that they take the scale of Lois and Wonder Woman and you can see the difference, you know, like, right. it, like if, if you're just flipping through and you saw a close up, um, you might have a little bit of trouble telling the difference between which one is Wonder Woman and which one is Lois. But then when you see them next to each other and you see that scale differential, like in um, uh, New Frontier. Right. And just see how tall Wonder Woman is. Um, that's that's a really important visual cue. And it's something that maybe an artist might not think about. That they're just going to be two, you know, raven-haired, statuesque, you know, characters. But Wonder Woman is is a big deal. <laughs> And, um, and so, and so I like that quite a bit. I, um, uh, I like Tony Daniel on art on this. Um, he had that moment where he was going to write and draw, you mm-hmm. know, his own stuff. Um, and maybe that was the wrong direction, but I think him doing a Superman book like this, uh, is a really good choice. I think, I think he's a good artist. Yeah. I, I do like uh, – we didn't mention before, but Lana Lang was in the – she's sort of the Girl Friday of Action Comics. Greg Pak clearly likes her. But I like that sort of all of his potential or current love interests are sort of bouncing around in the background of the story. Mm-hmm. And Lois has showed up and Lana's there and Wonder Woman, of course. And Lois and Lana have to sort of commiserate over the fact that they can't compete with Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, I think seeing true. them all together and seeing – you know, just, like Lana comes from a different perspective. She knows Clark from high school. Right, and, and she knows Lois the secret. Yeah, and she, I mean, she knows the secret, and you know, Lois doesn't have that. Wonder Woman doesn't have that same dynamic. And I think from the beginning of Action Comics, there was a there was a little bit of concern that Lana was written a little bit kind of like a Lois, mm-hmm. and but actually bringing them all together, you can see that there are really interesting differences between the three and how they relate to Clark or Superman. Yeah, uh, I, I dug this book too. Um, I'm. I can go back and forth on whether uh, turning Superman into the villain is just kind of too easy. It's like, well, he's the most powerful guy in the world. Okay, well, then we better make him the problem. Um, And I was a little bit bummed by the climax of this issue, which is basically fight it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I did. I fought it. (laughs) And then uh, I I screamed in pain and I fought it. But I I think this is um, a false sense of security i think yes well it's way too early it's week one so yeah right why does he have a superman emblem in his chest i don't know i don't know does anybody know that no i thought i just had missed something i did too i thought i was like what did i miss and it looks dumb to me a tattoo or like a it's like it's like you know tony stark heart plug (laughs) so shirtless clark it's the cw you know it's the smallville brand on his chest right he was crucified (laughs) in a cornfield yeah I do like that it's it's Wonder Woman and Batman having to talk their friend down from this trouble he's in, and yeah. I like that they came together and you know we have to help him. I like yeah, I like that. how Wonder Woman finds Batman and just like jumps on his plane and goes, "Hey, let's we need to chat." <laughs> it's cool. It's a really I think this is a really good story for Superman fans. It feels it feels right. I know we, we talked a lot over the years and people are probably sick of super, us talking about Superman and the problems, but this tone feels right. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, what so, do you What do you think about what they're doing with Steel? I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't think I know quite what they're doing with him yet. I thought yeah. about it a bit too much. Like when he so he dips into this pool and gets covered in this stuff, and I feel like does it go in his mouth? Yeah, all inside him. Like and it just ended up like it sort of distracted Genius. me. I was like, oh right, 
I'm reading a book. So. Yeah, I don't know. I I always liked Steel a lot. Uh, I, I loved when he was in the Justice League with Grant Morrison, but I don't I don't know what they're well, doing with him yet. In the previous arc, they made a big oh, big deal over and over about how Doomsday is so badass that no one could even last ten minutes against him except Superman. He's the mm-hmm. only nobody could even stand toe to toe with him. The only person on the planet that could even last a couple of minutes. And then you know Steel does, and they're all impressed. They're like, "How did you even do that?" Uh, which is kind of cool, like giving him a little. Mm-hmm. It's almost like um, what do they call that in professional wrestling? Uh, Paul, uh, you must. I know. should know. Put, this putting one. him over, you know, putting put, him over, put right? Him, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I thought that was kind of neat. So Starlight number three was uh, for about ninety seconds. Was the pick of the week? Yeah. Uh, I love this book, dude. It's so good. I love it everything really about good. this book. This was the issue where the main character. Uh, to be badass. Duke McQueen finally shows up on the planet he had liberated all those years ago, only to find that someone worse took it over, and the people he he saved are, have mostly been killed or subjugated, and they're all being the public executions were terrible. And he sees this world. He shows up to kick some ass and finds it's maybe not so easy to do what he did before. I just I think this is a wonderful, wonderful. Kingfisher turned that dude into a ball like those old <laughs> like so transformers bad. that were rocks. Yeah. You know, I don't know what they were called, but like, and they, they fold up into, I was like, a person isn't supposed to bend that way. That's not yeah. cool. But the, Great. what's cool about this issue is that we get a, a bunch more action than we've seen in the previous two issues. Not that I missed there being action in those two issues. It was great to have that interesting sort of languid pace and it really, you know, define that character and, and where he's come to. And so, so to just have brief little instances, flashbacks that were static going to his adventures like like postcards from his mm-hmm. past, and now we actually get to see him in action. And but it's a reveal too. It's a reveal that he it can, is still capable of doing that. Because we, you know, I was kind of curious. Like, is he just going to be? I thought it was going to go the other way. I thought he was going to yeah. fade into the fight, get his ass kicked, but he doesn't. He goes in and he beats down four of these dirty cops and kills them with the ray guns. And I thought, oh, okay. But then he, you know, it's it's a quick victory because then he really is gets in trouble. So. Yeah. He gets hit by a car. So, so. in a that in was a, so great in a professional wrestling house show parlance, they'd be chanting, "You've still got it." And, <laughs> and uh, it, the action sequences it reminded me a lot of like like Simonson. Um, and part of it is, I mean, yeah. that milieu oh, that like that swashbuckling aspect to it, and just the um, when he's firing off, you know, the like the blasters, mm-hmm. you know, the way the, the the laser beams come off. It's just it's so classic. And um, I, I man he. He's killing it on the art on this book. Harlow, this I, I, is I think this is this is my favorite art currently in the comic book world right now. I I just eat it up, and I was a huge Simonson fan back in the old uh, FF run and and his Thor work. Uh, you know, I love like the panel where after he's been hit by the car and he's laid out yeah. and he literally has X's for eyes. <laughs> I love that stuff. I don't yeah. know what what it is about that, but I just love that cartooniness to it but the the panels are so kinetic and fun and there's really great ideas in this book too i mean miller's doing great work too there's there's the i love the idea of i'm so badass i built a castle with no doors on it right (laughs) that's awesome and i love the this the moment where he goes oh who am i i'm that guy and he points at the statue of him (laughs) it's awesome it's awesome it's a really really wonderful sci-fi pulpy adventure book and I didn't. I, I'm so happy I read it. I wasn't going to necessarily, but I took a chance on it because I love Gordon Parlov so much on the Fury Max book, which 
Jeff, you've read that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think people who are sick of us talking about Fury Max all the time, we're going to get sick of us talking about Starlight all the time because this is going to be – it's an ongoing book. So this is going to be a book that we're going to be talking a lot about. The only thing I didn't – I thought sort of rang false was they – so they run into the teenager and the planet who helps them out. He actually hit them with the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's dressed like he's a 50s mod guy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he says, he, you know, he's a fan of Earth culture. And so he, that's why he's dressed like that. But he clearly they're way behind because it takes forever for the transmissions to reach their planet. And I thought he'd be talking about 50s culture, but he was asking about Tom Cruise and, and Vulcan, which yeah. didn't really make sense with his, well, his outfit. Kinda, well, it's kind of funny if you think about like, like different transmissions would take, you know, lesser or longer amounts of time. So he's got this mishmash mm-hmm. of you know, the timeline, he gets things out of sort of chronology. So that, I mean, they, he could play with that. I, it wasn't a big deal. I just thought he would be, I thought for sure the reference would be something from the fifties, but anyway, it's minor, minor quibble for a book. That's really wonderful. Um, everyone needs to check this book out. Just they do. Check, it's check one it's issue. The, I mean, even just like the, even just like the spaceship designs in the background are so cool. A, yeah. Such a, uh, an established world. And, this is a book where you could have the temptation to rest on your laurels and just do like it's just Flash Gordon stuff in the background. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but it's you know increasingly imaginative and it's not just like a pastiche of one kind of old serial story. There's a lot going on here and a lot of thought when it's a building this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I look forward I to love it. issue every issue. Yep. Uh Afterlife with Archie number 5, one of Paul and I's favorite books. <laughs> Butler's uh, Log. Jeff, do you read this book? Well, this is something that you guys turned me on to. So I wasn't reading it until you told me about it. And um, I, I quickly devoured the, all, all five issues. And um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It really is very, very good. Uh, I would say this, this particular issue, number five, sort of uh, – it, it's unfortunately it, – it lives at least for me because I read them all back to back. It lives in the shadow of number four because number yes. four was one of – it was a beautiful – piece of fiction uh and it was so heavy i mean i like literally got emotional with the whole dog thing yeah um that issue was just spectacular so this one did not reach those heights um but still it's a fun it's a fun story and and um you know a clever use of these these characters when i was a kid i was you know a crazy comic book collector and was they were the basically the biggest obsessive thing in my life. And I had a younger sister and she sort of wanted to have a way into that world. And so I had, I was like, well, what, what comic books could my sister read? And so I introduced her to Archie comics and, and had read a few of them uh, as a way of introducing her to them. Um, so I have some familiarity with that world. Some of the side characters and more obscure things I'm, I'm in the dark about, mm-hmm. uh, but I, my my only my only gripe about this series is how out of place the whole uh, Betty Veronica fight over a boy trope is in today's modern culture. It feels very, um, I don't know. It feels it, it's it's weird. We, we 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 talked about this a while ago. Maybe the first or second issue. Yeah. How the way they're drawn makes it weird. Yeah, because they're so realistic. Yeah, when you're not in that world of Archie, and it looks like that world, it, it seems like anything anything works. You know, you 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 accept it. But here, they're drawn like regular people, and the idea that they're fighting over him like this, and just you just yeah. And there are like, certain things that are sort of modernized in in this right. series, yeah, and some Twitter things that aren't. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, but I love that, you know, this is a, this is a good issue for, you know, you've got some great Smithers action here and you've got some great uh, Kevin Keller, especially has mm-hmm. a great moment. Um, Jeff, were you sort of shocked as you were reading and especially talking about some of the more ancillary characters when the idea of like um, uh, incestuous twins popped up? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff like that. It's very adult. I mean, it's a very adult take on these characters. I'm surprised um, they let him get away with. Talking about how Mr. Lodge was cheating on his wife while she was dying, and yeah, yeah, it's just like okay, anything's going, and we're going anywhere. That's what's that's what's so cool about Archie, and it's not just this book; it's all their other books. Are uh, you know they're one of the weirdly for something that feels like it's you know a blast from the past and you know stuck in the fifties. It's the most progressive comic book company out there in terms mm-hmm. of what they're willing to try and the the kinds of stories that they're going to showcase. And and I'm so over zombies. The fact that I'm into this book is – it says a lot about how fun it is to read. Although I, I am I'm a little bummed that Jughead is the first guy to go because yeah. he's one of my favorite characters in that universe. You know, I, I'm hoping I would, that there's – that they're going to do – because they're continuing this. And I'm so I'm hoping – I'm hoping, hoping that there's an opportunity that Jughead can come back in some way because it does feel like, wow, he went really quickly and you yeah. could have gotten so much – more out of the relationships uh, with Jughead yeah. around. Although it is a good opportunity to showcase some of the other characters right. that might have gotten short shrift if Jughead. Are were those around. witches? Are those two <laughs> witches chicks? Are those are those Archie characters that were witches in Archie books? Sabrina the Teenage Witch was an Archie character. Oh, that's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Okay, all right. They were the ones responsible for the necromancy that brought about the zombies. Right. Yeah, and but so, I didn't know if they were actually witches because it felt like they were they originally were witches too but i, I was yes mm-hmm. yes yeah and so one of the cool things so even if you if you aren't big into zombies it looks like the next issue and sort of they've left uh the lodge place well this is this is end of book one so you imagine this will be the last part of the first collection they're introducing more kinds of horror it looks like there's going to be like sort of a more Lovecraftian thing going on so like tentacles and stuff next issue so it looks like next issue it looks like aliens I don't know. It could be anything. But uh, so this is the end of book one. They have to escape the lodge house, which they thought was be a sanctuary, but they're surrounded by zombies and they found their way in. So they're out on the move and they're going to run into some other wild stuff. But I, I think this book's great. It is. It really is. It is. I agree. I'm, I'm really grateful that you guys turned me on to it because I would never have read it. So Jeff, you are a big fan of Avengers Undercover. Yes, I am. Yeah. Four came out this week. Yeah, I, I love this book. I think um, – I think it's the kind of thing that when I was like 12 and 13 and eating up X-Men comics, this is, I think it's got that same energy that I loved from those old X-Men books of like really feeling like it gets me as a, as a angst ridden teenager. (laughs) Um, And I love the conceit of this, of this series, which is basically let's tempt these superpower kids into maybe potentially being bad guys, um, being supervillains. And the internal debate within the team itself, I thought, was really is really well articulated. Um, and it's got fantastic art and really fun action. And all the characters have their own unique voices, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a fantastic team book. I think it's it's one of those things that possibly is overlooked by a lot of people. But um, I'm I dig. It. I think it's really funny, yep. which is mm-hmm. which is, is great. Um this was the issue where they got the the pitch from Baron Zemo in the middle of a room filled with gold, right? And uh, to be perhaps not supervillains in his in his words, 
you know, it's all a matter of degrees whether you're a supervillain or superhero. Oh, I thought that speech was so cool. I yeah. thought it was so well said. It's yeah. Too bad it's being said by a Nazi. <laughs> but true. Uh, but I like I like the idea that you're right that these teenagers who have these abilities and powers have been through all this horrible stuff back in Avengers Arena uh, are basically tilting to they're they're in danger of tilting to the dark side and right. uh, Zemo has recognized that is capitalizing on that and. I think it'll be really interesting to see how this how the team splits on this because you know some of them yeah. cl- clearly are going to go that way. And the reason that it works so well is because they he chose characters, and it's not just like he. I mean, there are other teen characters that he probably could have picked, but these characters are perfect casting for this because they could go either way. You know, it's not right. like they brought in you know like it's the wrong age bracket, but like you know Franklin and Valeria, like and. You know, they're obviously not going to go evil forever because they're part of the, you know, the Fantastic Four and the Future Foundation. That's they're not going to let that happen. But with these characters, they're sort of so like C and D tier that mm-hmm. as readers, you don't know, you know, who they're going to turn to the dark side and maybe for good. And I think between this series and Avengers Arena, what the, the stuff that they've been doing with like Hazmat. It's mm-hmm. fascinating because it started as, you know, a character who had, you know, she was troubled and stuff and she was an angsty character in a teen book in, in Avengers Academy. Um, but now she's evolved into something that I totally – she could turn into a supervillain. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I love – I mean it's you – could, you could describe this book as Breaking Bad for, you know, teen superhero groups. Mm-hmm. But, but I like how – uh, conscious of it they are you know they they are like well are we making this decision are we doing this we we did something really stupid we just murdered somebody um i i like how self-aware they are and that that to me feels there's something very teenager about that of like the world is messed up and i'm the only one that seems to see this um which is i i don't know i just like that i like that voice yep it's a really good book, but this issue particularly I thought was great in terms of the dilemma they're now facing and yeah. the way it was, it was presented to them. And, it, you know, it can now go any way, and that's exciting because a lot of these books, you know, you know where I was going. And, Jeff, yeah. I agree with you that that speech uh, is sort of the centerpiece of the whole thing. It's like a Game of Thrones level, like, great, you know, oratory. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's like, yeah, I call myself evil, but I'm owning it. You know, he's like, I, we're co-opting the term. It's, it's pretty cool. It's like. <laughs> Yeah. Good now, as as we head into our sponsor segment, uh, Jeff, what are some what are some teen dramas that you'd recommend people pick up on the DVD or the Blu-ray? Teen dramas. Uh, well, there's one that is at the very top of my list, and I, if I remember correctly, you guys love it as well, and that is Friday Night Lights. Yeah, uh, that Good is call. one of my favorite television shows of all time. It does teenagers really well, although they're probably all played by thirty year olds. But um, and they are. It's small town football in Texas, uh, but it is human drama that's relatable. Even if you don't have care a whit about football, um, it is really good people trying to do the right thing. An awesome family. The coach and his family is, is I think, the, the best family ever on television as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and um, just wonderful week-to-week continuing storylines that fill you with uh, hope and pride and – and uh, interest every week. It's a fantastic show. I'm glad I decided at the last second to ask you that because um, I love Friday Night Lights, Texas Forever. But forget yeah. the fact that you can just stream it all on Netflix. Go get the complete series on DVD on Amazon by going <laughs> to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. It's our Amazon portal. We get a little a little kick out of that. 
Um, we get a little bit back because Amazon's got some pretty deep pockets and they can afford to pass a little bit on to us. So you can make that your uh, your bookmark into Amazon. Uh, we'd appreciate that. You can also go to ifanboy.com slash registration. And for $3 a month or $30 a year or really any dollar amount that you'd be willing to part with, um, you can help keep the lights on here and keep us in microphones and paper clips and all that stuff that we need to bring you this wonderful podcast each and every week. And we promise none of that will go on to Josh and his new whittling obsession wherever he is. Although oddly he is whittling with paper clips. Yeah, well, it's not so, really working too well. No. That's why it's taking. He's got the time, though. That's true. So, Paul, Hellboy, I feel like we haven't talked about this book in forever. Yeah, it's been on a little bit of a hiatus, um, but Hellboy in Hell, written and drawn by Mike Mignola. This is number six. And this is a, it's sort of, you know, it's kind of a meandering little book. And I can imagine that some people might be a little bit, a little bit perturbed that this isn't moving towards any discernible end. It's kind of, but it's kind of weird though. What you know? What is Hellboy doing in Hell, and what's the ultimate goal? He doesn't seem in any real hurry to get out of there. <laughs> he's just kind of wandering about, and this time he's in a pub in Hell, basically. And he he comes across two sort of Victorian era cartographers who are trying to map Hell, and they haven't quite gotten around to drawing it yet, but they can describe it, and they describe it sort of as a bowl and. You know, there's sort of some, you know, Miltonian stuff in there and, uh, you know, Dante's Inferno and everything and building on this different mythology. Um, but what they're also doing with this book is sort of revisiting moments from Hellboy's past. And Hellboy had a pretty good run there from, you know, World War II popping up on that island and dealing with Rasputin, dealing with a whole bunch of different demons. And here we revisit a character that he met in Prague who was a, a verger at a, a church in Prague who was a gambler and he was basically cursed that he would have eternal life um, unless someone could beat him at his own game and then he would end up in hell. And he's basically a cool uh, Mignola version of a vampire where you just turn into a giant bat, which I thought was always a cool idea. Like we've sort of gone away from that in vampires in in modern fiction and, and television movies especially but he actually turns into just a giant bat not an anthropomorphic bat just a big ass bat and so this is kind of fun seeing Mignola back at his back in his element so you it sounds like you like this more than you liked the previous ones um or was that Josh who didn't like him Josh Josh liked it less than I did it's 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 kind of fun I I will admit that I'd really gotten uh, you know a, a shine to uh Duncan Figredo mm-hmm. doing those Hellboy runs um and so this is special because it's Mignola and he's, he started it all. Um, I don't entirely know where he's going with this. And there is a cool murder mystery element that Hellboy apparently killed Satan on his throne but doesn't quite remember it. And we keep flashing back to that. So something is going to happen with that. Um, but I'm just enjoying the ride. Cool. Jeff, Fantastic Four number four is out. This yeah. Week. What do you think about the series? Well, I'm a big Fantastic Four fan. I think I already even mentioned it this this episode. Um, And I, you know, I want to like this more than I do. Um, It's not bad. In this issue, uh, we get some fun stuff. We get uh, a big fun fight with the Frightful Four. We get the substitute FF 
member, you know, She-Hulk and some other folks. So we get some fun superhero battling, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the coolest thing about this series so far has been the first, like, two pages of the first issue. And we're on issue four now. First First couple of pages were, like, foreshadowing or explicitly saying what we're leading up to, which is sort right. of a crumbling of the team. And uh, the slow burn to get there hasn't been particularly interesting to me so far, but I'm excited to see when we finally do get there, how it's all going to shake out. Cause clearly there's some big plans to, to put them in some dire straits, but, um, but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not super high on the, on the book right now, but I'm still reading it because um, I'm hopeful it, picks up i did really like i liked the substitute team showing up i liked that interaction that was probably the highlight for me mm-hmm. they're in their the red costumes right yeah well red well red. everybody's in red right now but yeah reddish they're yeah red and black yeah it's yeah, kind it of weird it's a ball feel right <laughs> stray bullets number th- stray bullets killers number three i'm going to talk about stray bullets killers um yeah. for as long as i remain interested in it I will be the lone voice crying out in the wilderness for this book because I love it. Um, you love this issue too? I did. You didn't like I this thought, one? I thought this was the most unfulfilling issue so, of the three. I, think, I would agree with that. Interesting. But, okay. I but think, I liked it. What I, what, okay. What I like about this, we follow that character of Virginia that um, some of us um, who are reading Stray Bullets for the first time met last issue, but she's actually a, a protagonist from the original run. Um, she pops up uh, from time to time and as I've been working my way through that giant omnibus. Um, but here we find out a little bit more about some of the just the messed up stuff that she's been involved in since she's been a runaway. And what I like about this is this is a very unusual protagonist for a crime story. You know, it's not a PI. It's not a killer. It's this teenage girl who ran away from home and got caught up in some weird stuff and is basically working for this goon named Mr. Finger, who ironically takes people's fingers off when you Welsh on your bets, I guess. Um, He's just that guy. According to him, not ironic at all. (laughs) Not ironic at all. But this, and it turns into um, babysitting um, his kids that this guy has this whole other life and he escapes from it by how messed up this guy's life is, is that he pretends to be an alcoholic that has to go on benders and go into rehab every once in a while just to get away from his family. And he tasks this girl. Who among with, us hasn't been there, though? <laughs> <laughs> he trope. tasks this girl with going and finding the stash of, of cash in his wife and family's house. And he doesn't know where it is, but she better as hell find it. And yeah, my, my favorite thing in this book is that conversation he has with her on the phone where he's like, yeah, this is a bummer that it's all in cash. And she's like, why? He's like, well, because you could just tell me you, f- you didn't find it and take it for yourself. So it sucks to be you because <laughs> I'll kill you if, if you say – even if you say you didn't find it, I'll just assume that you did. You did and so and I'll you have to kill it you. somewhere else, yeah. It's so brilliant. It's such a brilliant moment. And, and you know, so the, there's, there's that mounting tension. And what I love about this series is that each issue of this, um, they set up this little microcosm, little world where there are big stakes. And um, th- and this one I felt especially where this, this girl also is, is encountering his kids who are kind of messed up in the way they're playing with their toys that apparently they've been hanging out with their dad too much. Um, and they have these... <laughs> These weird play acting 
scenarios. Um, and then the older girl who is burning herself and obviously has some issues and they have this sort of, uh, it's just a traditional American family <laughs> and they have this interaction. And, and I don't know, I just, uh, I love the voice of this book. And um, my problem is, is that two of the three issues are just sort of ended. Whereas I thought the first issue, there was a complete story to that issue. And this just, the story just sort of ends in the middle of a scene. And that, that kind of happened in the last one too. And I just feel like it feels very unfulfilling to, to me to read these. I can understand that. But for, for me, it's their vignettes and knowing that we're going to revisit some of these characters. That's fine with me. Um, well, well, my bummer is that she is in such a state of peril, especially at the end, and she she doesn't ever seem to be particularly intimidated by that dude, um, especially at the end. But also the fact that we, in issue two, met her after this. Right. We mm-hmm. as a reader know she's not in any danger. Yeah. We know that she has all her fingers even. Right. So there's no there's no stakes. Is it kind of subverts the the whole peril of the situation for me as a reader answer that paul <laughs> answer that i don't know um i think it's just shading in the character a little bit more like if she had if she had been talking to um the i can't remember the eli she'd been talking to eli you know and he had an amputated leg and she was she was like yeah well i'm missing a few fingers all of a sudden we're like oh shit you know there's some stuff stuff going down uh with fingers guy mm-hmm. but you know but there's no. a, but there's an element to that in in a lot of the things we read. Like you know, we know that Superman isn't going to die for good in any issue. Like he's going to bounce back. Mm-hmm. But how does he bounce back? We don't know that, Paul. <laughs> but and and this these aren't this isn't a superhero story, right? These are you know these right. are very different tonally than mm-hmm. that. But I don't know. I, I yeah. I mean, that was less my issue. Really, just I felt like okay, that was it. Like again, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I mean, this may not be the book for me. Well, I like it, damn it. So you can, I'm giving you permission. You can stop, but I will continue reading it and, and celebrating it with a lot of our listeners who apparently do enjoy it. Great. I, I would, I will say I like it too. I, I'm glad I'm, I'm reading it, but it, um, it just, there's, it's not perfect for me. Those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. Go to ifanboy.com and you can find the comment section of this show and you can talk about those books, talk about other books we didn't mention. Lots of great stuff came out this week. Didn't have time for it all, but we can continue the conversation there at ifanboy.com. In the meantime, this was a busy week for comic books and television. All the networks held their upfronts, which is where they present their fall schedules to their advertisers and hope the advertisers will spend billions of dollars advertising. And so we found out all these new shows. And actually, this was a big week for comics in terms of TV because next season there's going to be seven, or at least at least for a little while, there's going to be seven TV shows. Comic books are hot, I tell you, they're hot. And uh, kids want to see one, two, three, four. Well, assuming all the shows make it to whenever Rise Zombie gets in the air, there will be there will be seven shows, and those shows will be uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield, which was renewed for a second season. There was also the CW's The Arrow, which was renewed for a second season. It'll be joined season. by. The third season, I'm sorry. They'll be joined by Gotham on Fox and The Flash on The CW and Constantine on NBC. And uh, iZombie is going to join in midseason on The CW. And Marvel also announced Marvel's Agent Carter, but we've seen nothing on that. Uh, nothing at all. It should be called Agent Promo Images. No, we saw, we saw a promo logo. Logo, sure. It wasn't even an image from the show. So I'm going to guess that's a midseason show because there's no way they're going to, if we see nothing so far, that's going to premiere in September. So I'm going to guess. And then... 
we'll get to the other Netflix stuff in a minute. But that's a lot of shows, I think, guys. What do you that's think? A lot of shows, yeah. Is it too many? Uh, it's, it's gonna too have early. to be at some point. It, it's gonna, it's gonna have to be. There, we're cruising for a comic book bust. Cruising. Yes. The, the bubble is 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 inflating as we speak. And I wonder if these shows inflate the bubble faster because they're on every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and again, I, I want to preface this by saying I'm not upset. I'm I'm going to watch all these shows. I'm excited for all of them. I watched the trailers for Gotham and the Flash and Constantine, and the, especially for the Flash, I was really excited for. Yeah, that was a pretty cool trailer, but, tying it right to Arrow right away. But uh, you know. It's a, it, there's basically going to be one every day. It's uh, <laughs> Gotham's on Mondays, uh, Flash is on Tuesday, Arrow's on Wednesday, Flash and Shield are on Tuesday, Arrow's on Wednesday, Constantine's set for Friday. So the only day you're not going to have one of these shows is Thursday. Uh, now, I'm excited for Gotham. I think it looks really good. However, uh, I am old enough to remember Muppet Babies. <laughs> yes, of course. Okay. Muppet Babies. Right. Uh, this seems like uh, DC Babies is to me a little bit. It's like the the trailer showed like all the people you know, and they're all fifteen years old. You know, it's like yeah. What? Okay, I guess. My, I'm excited too. I was more excited when I thought it was just going to be a, a cop show, which is what they me originally said was it was going to be. And then we, we see the trailer, and it's they can't help themselves. Um, my worry with Gotham is. The you know they, they dropped a little Joker hint in their promo image, and then they talked about the Joker explicitly in an interview. The producers and they talked about the origin of the Joker. Not cool. Which worries me because of this. In you know for years and years and years, the most popular character in the comics was Wolverine. Yeah, and he was one of the reasons why he was so popular was because he was a mystery, and no one really knew where where he came from, and everyone could fill in the blanks themselves and speculate endlessly about where he came from. And I think the hair helped too. It was a big deal was the mystery. So then what happens is that Fox starts making their movies and they announce they're going to do Wolverine's origin story and not the origin movie itself, but the story in the, in the X-Men movies. Mm -hmm. And that causes Marvel to scramble and tell his origin because quite rightly, they want to be the ones to tell Wolverine's origin and not Fox because whichever origin gets told first, it's going to be the origin. Uh, So my worry is that's going to happen with the Joker. If they decide they're going to tell Joker's origin in the show, will DC be compelled to do that in the comics? And then will, we, will that neuter the character? Like Wolverine's been effectively neutered since then. He's not nearly as popular. He's still very popular, but he's not nearly as popular as he was in the 80s and 90s. It's not as sexy. Yeah. So my worry is that that's going to impinge upon the comic book version. Of I, the I definitely agree with you on that. I will say that I think I'm not saying it's going to happen. That's my, that's my concern. Well, I mean, if it, you know, bringing in all the villains and like all at once and, you know, wanting to explore that. And I will, I will agree with Jeff to the extent. I don't think it's Muppet babies. I think it's more a pup named Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Cause Muppet babies was great. Six of one half dozen the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other question is if, if all the bad guys are there already, what is the, why, what's the point of Batman? It does seem like it's uh, Commissioner Gordon and his like ward <laughs> that are who's Bruce Wayne, you know, running around dealing with people that Bruce is going to have to deal with in twenty years. Yeah, just remember this guy, Bruce. In twenty <laughs> years, he's going to be a problem. It's just it's it's infuriating because it's or frustrating at least since it's so close to Gotham Central, but not. Yeah. yeah. 
Like yeah. you have this perfect map. And I was talking to people on Twitter who weren't familiar with Gotham, Gotham Central. And they were like, this sounds interesting, but I wish it was this and this and it didn't have this and this. You just described Gotham Central to me. Congratulations and good news. There is a comic book that exists that is that. And it doesn't have the things that is bothering you about this promo. Now, to be fair, we have not seen this. We're only going off of sure, the yeah. right. trailer, but it is, I think, all valid concerns. And all of us are going to check this out, at least. Yeah. As, and also, as we've seen in almost all the Marvel books, the, these other media stories can affect the comics. Marvel mm-hmm. is basically making itself over into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in their books. And for, yeah. whether or not you like that or not depends on you, you I guess. But I don't want to see someone at Fox deciding something that decides what goes on in the comics. I think that what I've learned as a uh, consumer of, of you know genre media is that it's almost always a bad idea to do a prequel. Yes. Uh, and the only, way a, the only way a prequel works is if it exists for its own sake and not as just a comment on what it's prequeling. Mm, you know? Right. If, it's, if we're only commenting on – if it's only look at these guys that you already know and you know what they're going to become, uh, then it, it doesn't matter because – it's not. It's not enough about its own thing. It's only. It's, a it's tease only to get to the main course, which we're never exactly, which you already know about. So, and everything is is kind of locked into this pre-assigned. Like we know where it's it's headed. So, it could be a cool prequel if you bump into Bruce Wayne once. Yeah. You know, and oh, you see, oh, there's Bruce Wayne, and oh, I hope his family doesn't die on the way back from this this you know awesome theater piece we're watching. Uh, but that's it. It's just yeah. you know, it's just it just exists to sort of land you in the same world not like we're teaming up every week and i gotta you know hang out with you bruce and i don't know it's the big brother program i i think smallville managed to avoid that somehow they walked a very fine line yeah i know i didn't watch that show i'm ashamed to say i never did well smallville has its has its moments it's sort of it's sort of hard to look at smallville as a whole Right, because I like chunks of it. Yeah, I just I, like it. It turns, it morphs into different things, and that's true of any show that's you know that goes that many seasons. Man, if they ever make prequels for Star Wars, I'll be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about these other ones? Um, so, Flash, I'm psyched. I, I have to admit that when I saw the the still images of him in the costume, I was like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> and but then the tra- seeing it in motion in the trailer, and you know the, the five, full five minute piece, and we will. Uh, We'll link all these trailers in the show notes on the website. If you haven't seen them, you can go to ifanboy.com to check them out, see what we're talking oh, about. Oh, fine. But, when I have to edit the thing, then you can. But, but uh, I thought the trailer was super fun. Yeah, I think this is the winner of the of the stuff that we have promos for. Right. Um, there are some other things that you know that we might talk about that we don't have anything yet, any information. This one, I was like, wow, they really – like there's a lot of stuff going on here. And a lot of world building all just in that promo. And this is a really interesting cast. And it's, you know, it's not just treading water. Like there are some interesting relationships that aren't necessarily derived from the comics. Well, I think that they've, the guys behind Arrow, who are the guys behind this show, yeah, really have a formula that works. For mm-hmm. me, anyway, I, I think Arrow's a wonderful adaption of Green Arrow. And, I, I and really it's really love- come into its own in the second season. And... They probably, you know, learned from some of the mistakes of the first season, which wasn't bad. It was it was good. Um, better than I thought it would be. But they've only gotten better and, and hopefully they're going to take some of that and put it into uh you know the flash. Jeff, did you yeah. watch did you see the flash trailer? 
I did, uh, and I'm I'm high on it as well. I think uh, I think it could be really fun, um, and I'm hoping uh, hoping it. It seems like DC does TV pretty pretty decently. They just got their movies all messed up. Well, they're different. They're different people. I mean, DC Entertainment pretty much does the shows, and Jeff Johns yeah. Jeff Johns is very heavily involved in the shows, whereas the movie people are a completely different animal. What did you guys think of the? Not to derail anything, but what did you guys think of the the first Batman image? The tiny, tiny bat ears and very Frank Millery look to him. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, it's, it's if you're gonna do that story, they basically did the costume. It's for the tough Dark to Knight. parse because, like, I don't really have a pony in that horse. <laughs> you have a pony in that. I don't horse? have that. I don't have a pony in that horse. The the horse is not pregnant with a pony. Oh, no, I don't have a horse in that race. Um, because I I I was. I'm not supposed to talk about the first one because um, <laughs> we get mail. Um, I, I, I'm not super stoked about this because of the creative talent involved um, in this movie. So I don't have a whole lot of stock in how good a design choice is. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But I will say just, just I mean, as the image objectively looking at it, I like I, I like a pair of stubby bat ears. I like them either <laughs> crazy long or stubby. And they went for stubby, and that's cool. Um, I really wanted to see the color choice because it was a black and white image, and uh, there are people not, colorized it, and they did I'm like not a, a fan of. Gray. Yeah, I'm not a fan of blue gray. I've always like I've always liked black gray better. And uh, <laughs> you have to choose a choose a gray. No, so, and, just, and there's also there's variations on that. There's like the navy blue and gray. There's like the Frank Miller version, which you know, if right. they're gonna go gray and blue, that's the way they go. Um, or you can do like the what, like the Jim Aparo, like you know, ash gray and like uh, like spring blue or like robin's egg blue. <laughs> like really go out there with it. Well, the thing is, and this is we're derailing this, but I'm fine with it. Uh, <laughs> is that Batman and Spider Man are the same problem? Neither one of them were supposed to have blue in their costume. They were both Spider-Man's right, costume was right. red and black. Yeah. Batman's was black and gray. But in the old days, they highlighted black with blue, so that right. you could see the shape, you could see mm-hmm. the contours, and it was just a black blob on the screen. So eventually, it became their costumes were blue. And I've never, you know, never made sense to me that Batman wear blue, blue you know, blue. Just right. Doesn't doesn't work. Which is why we've never really seen it outside of Adam. I West. like it because it's ridiculous. Well, it is. I like I'm not going to complain. I just, I was just anomaly. I, I think he looks. I like how, how he looks, sort of thick, and uh, you know, he looks like a bruiser. He looks. He looks pretty good. He has that Dark Knight body. Well, I mean, I well, yeah, the Frank Miller Dark Knight body. Yeah. I think the. I never, as much as I dug, you know, what Christopher Nolan did with Batman. I never really dug the the look of Batman in those mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. So. I looked at a. Um, it was the middle. It was Dark Knight. I looked at that not too long ago. And I didn't remember how weird he looks in that. Like, if you actually like look it's at like that, it's like a four hundred pound. He does. He looks <laughs> like a gorilla. Circus He's just gorilla. Yeah. Strange. And I was like, I. True. I totally. But you know, Electra looks like a. Electra looks like a four hundred pound circus gorilla. In, you know, when he draws her too. So. Yeah. I mean, I have those Dark Knight Returns toys, and the Batman is just awesome. He just has these giant arms and legs, and he's so yeah. he's so strangely proportioned. He doesn't stand on his own anymore because the weight's all off, but. <laughs> I have to lean against things. Um, so quickly, Constantine. Any thoughts on the Constantine trailer? Uh, Looks rad. I feel like this is the one, the least amount of... I'm trying to figure out which one to succeed, and there's obviously no way I can predict, but Constantine's been banished to Friday. It's a horror show. 
I'm excited for it, but, but yeah, I think, oh, I I'm gonna I, I'm gonna check it out. It looks to me more like it could be a fun. Like it, you kind of have to divorce yourself from the Hellblazer tone, mm-hmm. and I feel like if you if you can let go of that and just enjoy it as just like an urban fantasy, like more like a Dresden Files thing, right. I could probably just for me. I'm saying I could I could probably have fun with it if I if I let go of the fact that they're never gonna do you know chain smoking, you know. Hellblazer. True, but they have sort of dickish British Hellblazer, which is the step in, you know in the right direction. Yeah, I thought they picked a really cool actor for the part. Yeah. It looks like I, he's I, cosplaying cool. to me. Um, <laughs> and I'm and I'm trying not to be too picky about, it, but like just looking at it, it, just looks like they got a trench coat and made it look rumpled, like mm-hmm. and spent like hours to make it look like a careless costume choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know. I'm I'm actually interested in that. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch all these shows. I'll tell you, they got me when uh, Dickie Bennett popped up on screen for the Constantine one. Right. Yeah. I was like, okay, you get some two lost casting. actors in that. In that yeah. In that uh, show. So those are the ones that are we're definitely gonna see on screen. We'll see iZombie as soon as the CW cancels something, and <laughs> we'll see Agent Carter at some point. And if let's assume all those shows last, and we've got seven comic book shows. Then in the next year, we've got. One, two, three, four, five of those of those Netflix shows coming. So we'll have twelve comic book shows. Yeah. Blah, 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 I will say blah. I will say that I'm most excited about the Netflix stuff. And then after that, um the Flash. Mm-hmm. And then after that would probably be the uh the Peggy Carter uh series. Mm-hmm. Uh it might be my and Josh's mutual crush on Haley Atwell. Um, well, might play some like role, but I'm, years alone. Let's but not, I'm also, but I, but, but I also, that's her. a fascinating setting, and how what is that going to be like on TV, and what can they do going back and forth in time when you've got, you know, this this sister show in in uh, Agents of Shield, you know, you can do stuff in uh, in the past, and then they can dig up something, you know, in the present on Shield, and it'll be like right. that movie Frequency with um, Dennis Quaid and Jesus. It's a good movie. Um, Jesus Wade and the Jesus. It's, it's going to be an expensive show. It's a period. Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. Oh yeah, it point was of Jesus. Interest, point of impact. Point of interest. What is that show? Never mind. Uh, person, person of interest. interest. Person of interest. Also a Nolan show. Nolan's brother. Anyway, uh, I I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to see like I'm complaining. I'm not. I just worry that this is too much. Here's my question about the Netflix shows, yeah. which uh, you know I think we're all super excited about just because yeah. of the high level of quality from Netflix shows so far. Um, clearly, they're you know they're there to build up to a Defenders show. Right. Uh, how do they release them? Are they do they release in a giant chunk of like all the? Well, they're shows not. The, no, they're not all at once. I think Daredevil is the only 2015 show. Oh, I see. So Daredevil, then Daisy Chains into Luke Cage. Well, I'm wrong. I was wrong about saying we have 12. We'll only have eight. Okay, so I think, I think they're staggered. I think Daredevil, and then there's—I don't have it in front of me. I should have written it down, but they're not all coming out at once. That's interesting. So Daredevil discovers Luke, and then Luke discovers <laughs> yeah, Iron exactly. Fist, and then when they yeah. all discover. And what's it, and what's what's really exciting about that is that they'll—they haven't released like a number of episodes, but it's probably going to be more like eight or ten, you know, right. rather than twenty-four. And that's sort of the shortcoming of Shield, especially in like in the beginning. They didn't know how to stretch that out. And well, the short time of the shield quality. was they had to they had to hit a milestone, right? And with which was the Captain America Winter Soldier movie, and so they had to sort of tread water until they got to that point. So with something like Daredevil, like you, they have 
time to look at it and say we have 10 episodes and each of those has the potential to be a really special episode like we're seeing with not not that they're going to talk about like, very drugs. special <laughs> yeah daredevil um, gets locked in a refrigerator but they could be a you know a milestone episode or something daredevil goes to an old man's house and has to tell parents parents <laughs> I always think of different strokes whenever I think of a very special episode. See, I was going Punky Brewster with the fridge thing. Uh, I was going That's with right. uh, pedophiles, but I don't know why <laughs> that happened. But I think it's because that episode freaked me out so much as a kid that it stuck with me forever. That's what anyway, it was designed to do. I think they'd be smart. I think they'd be smart if they take all the Defenders characters and make them. And you know, clearly these are all the street level Marvel characters, and they make them fly under the radar of their other. Like if 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 Shield doesn't quite catch on to what they're doing until late in the game mm-hmm. you know i think that's probably better we don't need everything to link up so fast oh yeah yeah definitely we, we could use a moratorium on shield for a little while yeah for sure mm-hmm. all right so i mean those are your shows we'll we'll, we'll cover them in some fashion i don't know how <laughs> paul and i reviewed the shield pilot maybe we'll do something like that for each each of these shows we'll, sure. we don't know we're not making any promises september is a long way from now we we'll watch dead them by yeah with this heat wave, we're yeah. likely be Jeff dead, and I but... might not make it to the end of the show. So I I'll tweet about them. <laughs> I can promise you that I will tweet about all of them. I will say this: I thought Agents of Shield a lot since the movie. Like everyone else is saying, it's, it's been really solid. I thought the finale was really fun, and I thought the Arrow finale was wonderful. I'm excited to catch up on yeah, on both of those. Um, so we'll check those out when they come out. Uh, skipping out audience question because we ran a little long talking about Hollywood. But if you want to write us an email, you email us at contact at fanboy.com or call our voicemail line at eight 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 fanboys. Three two six two six nine seven. And tell us who you are, where you're from. If you call the voice line, we'll keep it around thirty seconds for your message. And we're not going to call you back. To chat. Yeah, just, uh, we did some. Right. We did some wonderful podcast discussions of the Amazing Spider-Man two. Two. Uh, and Jeff was on a show about uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. And that was yes. a lot of fun. So you can check back for those. Son of Batman. Rent it if you must, or just <laughs> listen to the podcast. Um, and then coming up, X-Men Days of Future Past. We will be talking about that. And then soon after that will be Guardians of the Galaxy. So we have a few more of these coming out. Oh, I'm soon for Guardians. So uh, those will be going on. Jeff, what are your shows? Tell the people about your shows. Well, I do a weekly video game podcast called DLC on the 5x5 network. If you go to 5x5.com slash DLC, you can check that out. You can be doing uh, those live, do- right? Doing those live, yeah. We do call-ins actually as well. So every I mean, Monday, you're going to E3 to do it, do, do it, right? Yeah. Well, we're doing live every day of E3. Should be really fun. Um, yep. Uh, and awesome. uh, also, NLB is a show that I've been doing mini episodes, little mini reviews, uh, three days a week on my uh, YouTube channel. It's Kanata Jeff. That's with two N's and one T. So YouTube.com/slash Kanata Jeff. Also, if anybody's going to be at BayCon, which is a convention in the Bay Area, hence BayCon. Um, I uh, did it, my first audio book. Um, I didn't write the book, but I narrated the audio book, and it's going to be released to the wild uh, at Baycon, and we'll be doing a reading there. So I would love for people to come up and say hi if they're going to be there. I will nice. be there on Sunday. Cool. The book is called uh, Traveling in Space. Will Michael Bay be at Baycon? <laughs> he should. He's going to be at Con Bay, which is weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Branding problem. <laughs> Head over to ifanboy.com, talk about this show, the books of the week, all the fun stuff go, going on there. You can find this show. You can find all of our other podcasts, the ones we just talked about. If you've never heard this before, you want to hear more Jeff, he's on our Winter Soldier podcast. That's back there in the feed. You can find all the great stuff that's going on at ifanboy uh, at ifanboy.com. Will Jimmy Dean be at Bacon? Why, why would he be at Bacon? Bacon? 
Oh, uh, I assume that's what they were trying to do. Um, so anyways, you can follow the action on twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy to find out what the pick of the week is for the show. You can follow us all individually on Twitter. Uh, Jeff said Jeff Kanata, uh, Connor C.S. Kilpatrick, and I am Fuzzy Typewriter. And finally, if you dig this sort of thing, you can write us a review in iTunes or better yet, tell your friends about us, introduce your mom to podcasts, help us spread that ifanboy love all around. We did it. We did it all. We did it, people. We We got the job done. 1,010 as the time of the recording ratings. Josh is off the show. We banished Josh to the haunted tree. We, we knew it would be, it'd be the tough. The spirit we, will remain forever. If we work together, we would we get it done. So we did it. Uh, so What are we going to give him if we get 1,000 iTunes reviews? I mean, we all quit? I think we I think will all quit. We'll we all quit. We chop down the haunted tree that. and Josh will return. Right. Josh will do the show with three different voices. In his final form, yeah. Right. So thanks to everyone who did that. If you want to keep leaving us iTunes ratings and reviews, it helps people find the show. And uh, we really appreciate it. Even if it's a negative review, we appreciate all the honesty and uh, all the people that said goodbye to Josh in those reviews. We're not going to fix any of those problems. No, no, no. So, you know, we're not. <laughs> and continue leaving reviews that are in the form of restaurant reviews. I enjoy those. It's <laughs> so. a wonderful creative writing challenge. That is it for this week's show. Jeff, thank you very much for stepping in for Josh. Oh, really my appreciate pleasure. it. It's been too long. Thanks, we shouldn't have waited this long to have you on. We'll have you on again sooner. Um, assuming you, you survive this weekend of heat. Yes. Um, and so thank you and thanks everyone for listening. And until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And I'm Jeff. And we're